Hey, thanks so much for joining us on our channel today. We wanna to encourage you to subscribe and like today's video. Also, today's word is brought to you by our Truth Partners. These are people who want to financially invest to help us get this message of truth to around the nation and around the world. You can become a Truth Partner today by simply going to creativechurch.com give. Again, thank you for partnering with us on this message of truth, and thank you for liking and subscribing to today's video. God bless you. I pray this sermon blesses your life. Amen. Would you stand with me all over the house? Grab your Bibles, turn them on, open them up. I want to welcome our online audience today and go with me to the book of 2 Kings. I'm just going to read three verses and then you can sit down. But um, we stand to honor the word of God. Uh, 2 Kings chapter 13, verse 17, 18, and 19. I love you guys so much. I'm so honored. Uh, to be your pastor. I love you. And uh, I love you guys too. I don't, I never tell you enough, but I'm, I'm, I'm really honored to, to, to do life with you and ministry with you. And um, it's, it's a good, it's going to be a good week. Vikings won. It's going to be a good week. And uh, I came home, I came home from the game. I had a chance to do the chapel forum on Friday and I, I came home from the game and I told Pastor Joanne, I said, I just want you to know that you're married to the pastor that holds the record for hosting the chapel for the team that has the largest comeback in NFL history. And I just want you to know that in case you want me to sign something, you know, and she looks at me and says, good job. So, but boy, those boys played their heart out, didn't they? They did a great job. Second Kings chapter uh, 13, verse 17. Uh, let, me, let me just preface this so you're not lost before we read this. Uh, there's a battle going on between Israel and Syria here. And the king of Israel, uh, Joash, he goes to the prophet for wisdom. And that's where we dive into in this moment. So, verse 17. And he said, open the window eastward. And he opened it, and Elisha, who's the prophet, told the king to shoot. So he shot, and the arrow of the Lord's deliverance, the arrow of deliverance from Syria. And so they smote the Assyrians, that they won. And he said, take the arrows, and so the, the king took them, and he said to the king of Israel, smite them upon the ground. And so he took the arrows and he smote the ground three times. And the man of God was upset with him. The man of God got angry with him. For those of you who think men of God should never be angry. The man of God was upset with him. He was wroth with him. And he said, why did you smite the ground but three times? You should have done it five or six times. You should have really put your heart into it. And he said, because you've only smote the ground three times, Israel will only beat the Syrians three times. You ready to dig into this today? You ready to dig into this? Four of you. Y'all ready to dig into this? Come on. Come on. If y'all had been at the game, we'd have lost yesterday with that attitude. Father, thank you for your word. Anoint me to minister with clarity. I prophesy your word would touch hearts and change lives. God, let this not just be some church service. Let it be a moment that changes us, that stirs us, that shakes us, that rearranges our plans for yours. We surrender 
to you. Have your way in this house in Jesus' name. Everybody said, come on, give him praise one more time. You can be seated. Let's go to work. So we're, we're going into 2023. How many of you are ready to go? So we're going into 2023, and the Lord began to speak to me about the direction of the church. And God spoke to me and told me to call the church to 21 days of prayer. Everybody say prayer. prayer. 21 days of prayer and fasting. Everybody say fasting. Fast. And so the first 21 days of 2023, we're calling the church to 21 days of prayer and fasting. And when I began to talk to God about it, God began to talk to me about this text, and he began to talk to me about victory, that a lot of us within the church are seeing partial victories. We're seeing some victories. We're seeing victories in some areas of our life, but not complete. And God began to speak to me and said that if we will commit to these 21 days of prayer and fasting, that we will see complete victories in many areas of our life. How many of you want to see some complete victories in areas of our life? Some of us have partial victories in our marriage. We've got partial victories with parenting. We've got partial victories with our health, partial victories and things we're trying to overcome. But I'm here today to prophesy to you that if you will commit to God, God told me that we are going to see and experience complete victory in our lives. And I came today to tell you, I'm not hyping it up. I'm, not, I'm telling you what the Lord spoke to me. You know, the Bible says that Jesus came to destroy, destroy the works of the devil. Not, not to push them back, not to minimize them, but to destroy them. That we serve a God that's able to destroy the works of Satan. To destroy the works of the enemy. Not half a victory, but a complete victory. You know, one of the things I love about this text is that this, this king... Uh, no matter how old he was, no matter how um, important he was, he still needed a man of God in his life. He still needed a prophet in his life. He still needed a pastor in his life. He still needed the church. He still needed the body of Christ. Nicholas and I were coming back from the, uh, the chapel service with the Vikings, and he wanted to stop. He's like, can we stop and get something to eat? And I knew what he wanted to do. He wanted to stop and spend time with me. Uh, because when you have eight kids, one of the things that they don't get a lot of is one-on-one -on -one time. And so what they really love is when they get me and Pastor Joanne to themselves. That's even more rare. But it was just me and him. He's like, can we stop and get something to eat? And I said, absolutely. So we stopped and got these amazing street tacos, by the way. They were fantastic. And so we got these street tacos. I'm talking about fasting street tacos all the same time. So we got stopped and got these street tacos. And... And we're sitting there, and, and he was talking to me about one of the classes that he had at the academy, and he was, which I love our academy, by the way, because they don't just get, um, yeah, let's, let's, let's celebrate that. That's a big deal. And he was talking to me about the academy because the thing I love about that is that it's not the sage on the stage talking to the kids and the kids are quiet. It's a guide on the side model. So they're discussing it. They talk about it. So a big part of the meeting is to discuss what they're learning. And so they were discussing it. And he said, uh, one of the things came up and said, how important is it that I, do I have to go to church to be a Christian? 
That's one of the conversations that the teenagers were talking about. How important is it that I go to church in order to be a Christian? Do I, have, do I have to go to church to be a Christian? And so he says, what do you think about that, Dad? Do you have to go to church to be a Christian? I said, you should go to church to be a Christian as much as you need a football team to be a football player. I said, no, you can be a football player all dressed up at home alone. You're you a football player. You got the helmet. You, you went on Amazon and bought your own helmet and jersey and made it all and, and licensed yourself and drafted yourself and all that kind of stuff. And you at home and you a football player, but you ain't got no team. I said, it's like being a teacher without a class, being a doctor without a patient. You know, I, I, said, I said, how are you going to be a football player and, and not have a team? I said, we just left their training facility where they spent millions of dollars to create a facility that they can go throughout the week to train. And they meet on Sunday. Hey, I just want to take a moment and let you know that today's sermon is brought to you by our Truth Partners. If you're interested in being a Truth Partner, simply go to creativechurch.com slash give and select Truth Partners today. Again, please subscribe and like today's video. It's blessing you, it's blessing your family. And hey, let's get back to the word. I said, you need the body of Christ. You need, you need the family of God. How many of you are thankful for the family of God? With all its challenges, with all its difficulties, with all its dysfunctions, just like your family, just like my family. Every family tree bears some nuts, right? Is that what they say? But you still love your family. And... You know, he said, I need the family of God. I need the king. I need, I need to know what God is speaking to me. And I love Elisha. Elisha was a prophet. Elisha had a double portion from Elijah's mantle. And I love what the Bible tells us in 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 12. It says that before Elisha took on the mantle of God, that he, had to, that he took his clothes and he ripped them in two. Symbolic that before we take on things that God wants to bring into our life, there's some things we have to take off. Amen. That if we're gonna put on things, there's some things we're gonna have to take off. Maybe there's some relationships we gotta take off. You know, maybe there's some people that, that you serve God better without them than you do with them, and Jesus loved them so you don't have to. Amen. That there's maybe some negative people. Anybody know about these negative people? I have an allergic reaction to them. They, they just, nothing's, it, 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 how are you doing today? Well, my back hurts really bad. I really need about $75,000 and so and so. And it's just like, everything is negative. And it's like, is anything good happening? And they can't think of anything. And they're just kind of people like, are you look okay? You doing okay? You don't look good. It's like, well, I felt good till you said it. Now I don't feel good at all. And they just bring you down. It's just like an allergic reaction to those people. And there's some things that we need to take off. There's some things that maybe we need to stop. Maybe there's some things we need to add to our conviction list. We're really quick to take things off it. But maybe there's some things that we need to add to our conviction list in 2023 in order to take on the newness, the grace that God wants to bring into our life. How many of you think there's some new things that God wants to bring into your life? Well, in order to take on some new things, we're gonna have to be willing to take off some old things that we're gonna have to realize that that when we fast, that when we, when we pray, this is, this is sacrifice, that this is worship to the Lord. There's a story in the Bible, in the book of Matthew, where there was a boy who was possessed by, um, by demons. And 
the father uh, was trying to save the boy's life. The boy was, he was cutting on himself. He tried to drown himself. He, he would throw himself in the fire. This, this teenager, he would just throw himself in the fire. You know, suicide is the third leading cause of death amongst teenagers in our state. Third leading cause of death amongst teenagers in the state of Minnesota, suicide. And this boy who was possessed by a spirit, um, the father brought him to the disciples and the disciples prayed over him. They couldn't do anything with him. And so the, the father went to Jesus and he said, Jesus, I took the boy my son to your disciples, they couldn't do anything with him. And, and Jesus started asking the father, he said, how long has he been like this? And he begins to talk about how long he's been like this. And then Jesus began to deal with the father, like, do you believe? And he's like, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. He makes that statement, I believe, help my unbelief. I believe, help my unbelief. Which is where, if we're honest, a lot of us are. And now we see a picture as why the kid is unstable is because the father's unstable. The kid is shaky because the father is shaky. I believe, but help my unbelief. See, we, we, we believe in God, but we tend to trust in ourselves. And we've got to move away from trusting ourselves to really trusting in God. Lean not to our own understandings. Proverbs says, but in all that ways acknowledging him that he may direct our path. See, the father's unshaky. The father's not stable. That's why the best place to raise an atheist is a religious home. And a religious home is where you practice something on Sunday that you don't live out throughout the week. And now he's like, God, I believe, but I don't believe. And the father's unstable. Now the son is unstable. And Jesus says, bring the boy to me which is a beautiful, I mean, you could preach a whole sermon just on that one phrase. Bring the boy to me. Because at the end of the day, when it comes to our children, we have to get our children to Jesus. It's not about getting them to a program. It's not about getting them through some ritual or some routine. It's about getting them to Jesus. And you will never get your kids to Jesus until you have the presence of God in your house more than any other house. The presence of God has to be something that's tangible, something that is practiced throughout the week, where we honestly worship, we honestly pray, we cut the doggone TV off at moments, we cut the phones off, and we say, look, these last 30 minutes before we go to bed is gonna be a time where we think about God, we talk about God, we engage God, we bring God up, we prophesy over the kids, we declare things, we declare healing, the kids are prophesying over each other, mom's prophesying over dad, dad's prophesying over mom, the kids are prophesying over the parents, and we start to ask God to speak to us in visions and dreams, and we turn our heart towards the Lord and cut the horror movies off and cut the anger off and cut the hate news off. We, cut, we, we turn those things on before we go to bed and wonder why we can't sleep. Am I helping anybody? And so we've got to, we, we, one of the things that God began to, to speak to me when he, when he dealt with this is, is how can we become more stable? How can we become more steadfast? And when it comes to our children, we've got to get our kids to the Lord. And Jesus set the boy free. It was a, it was, the Bible says it was a deaf and dumb spirit, which means the boy couldn't talk and he couldn't hear. When you get to that, when you get to that age where it's like 
Are you not hearing what I'm saying? How can you not hear what I'm saying to you? It's like I'm talking to the wall. It's like it's not getting through. You see your child going down a path and you're like, they, they can't hear. And then they can't communicate. When you get in a situation where your kid can't hear and your kid can't talk, it's dangerous. I wish I had a parent who knew what I was talking about. When, when, you, when you get, I'm not talking about clean your room and that, I'm talking about, I'm talking about serious situations here where you're trying to speak into the life of your child and your child can't communicate with you. And that's how we end up with the suicide rate being what it is. And the disciples were embarrassed and they went to Jesus later and said, Jesus, how come we couldn't cast out this spirit? And Jesus said, this kind. What do you mean this kind? The kind that, that does not allow your kid to hear or speak. This kind that causes them to want to take their own life. See, not one demon has left the planet. The same demons that fought our Bible heroes are still here. The same demons that fought your great, 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 great grandparents are still here. This kind, Jesus says, is only driven out but by prayer and fasting. So this kind is not moved by your little song you sing on Sunday. This, this kind, this kind right here is not moved by your little 30-second, Lord, bless the food, over the lips and through the gums, blessed Lord, because here it comes, is, is not moved by that. This kind is not moved by your religion. These demons looked at the disciples and said, Paul, we know. Jesus, we know. We don't know you. Because Satan knows when you have a real walk with God, when you have paid the price to be anointed. See, the anointing costs what it costs and it doesn't go on sale. There are some demons that will come against your life, your family, your marriage, your children that are only driven out but by prayer and fasting. That's it. Out of the mouth of our Savior. Out of the mouth of our Savior. And so what are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying at some point, we have to get serious in our walk with God. I don't know how you feel, but I don't want to carry into 2023 battles that I was fighting in 2022. I want total victory. And there are some battles that we fight that are only won through prayer and through fasting. And I love what Joshua, I think it's Joshua chapter 4, verse 3 it talks, it's a story when the children of Israel went through the Jordan. When they went through the Jordan, I don't know if they have it, they can put it on the screen. But Joshua chapter four, verse three, it says, when they went through the Jordan, they told them to take stones where the, where the, the men of faith, their feet stood firm. Take those stones and put them as a memorial. So years from now, when your kids, your grandkids, your great-grandkids pass through, they will know this was a moment that mom and dad that grandmom and granddad, the great grandmom and granddad stood firm on God. I would tell you that fasting should be a memorial. That fasting, let me make it more plain. You should fast for your children. 
Very few of us in the room. Am I boring you? I don't want to bore you. Very few of us in the room have the story. Have a story to say, when I was growing up, I remember my mom or my dad fasting for me. Now, I'm blessed enough to have that story. I I know what it's like as a teenager to see my parents push away food and go to God for me. And what that, is, what that is in my life is a memorial. It's like a stone in my life of my faith. And I'm 44 and I remember it. I'm not gonna forget it. Do you know what it is to, to have your kids watch the, the dad push away food and say I'm not eating at dinner because I'm taking that time to go pray for you? I love you and I'm believing God to do something in your life do you know what that means to a wife to push away food to say I'm going to God for you to push away food for your husband and say I'm going to God for you because I love you and I want your dreams to become a reality, and I want to see God move in your life. Now, when we talk about fasting, I'm talking about food, because Christians, oh my God, Christians, they, they'll be fasting, if you leave them alone, they'll be fasting TikTok, or I didn't use my pillow, I just slept on my mattress, and, you know, I just didn't, I didn't do that. You know, ladies would be like, I'm fasting my nails, for 21 days, because the Lord knows that means a lot to me, and so I'm, doing, I'm laying it on the altar. I'm laying them on the altar. Only Christians do that stuff. So I'm talking to you about food. When you read the Bible and it talks about fasting, it's referencing food. Even in the world, when the world talks about intermittent fasting, they're talking about food. Come on, when they talk about it for health purposes, they're talking about food. They're not talking about So I'm not talking about fasting, video games, investing. I'm talking about food, whether it's one meal, whether it's two meals, whether it's every meal for a certain period of time, whether it's for 21 days. I'm going to do the Daniel fast where Daniel said no to certain types of food for 21 days. And we're going to put on the website all kinds of different biblical fasts that you can choose from. But I'm preaching this early so that you have time to get your heart around it. So you have time to get your head around it. So you have time to prepare for it. And so I want you during these 21 days to go to God and say, God, I'm going to fast for my spouse. I'm fasting for my children as a memorial to them. Even if you had to literally take a rock and put it in the yard and say, this represents the fast. And every time your kids came home, they saw that rock. They remembered that was a memorial to when my parents fasted for me. What are all these stones leading up to the front door? Every one of these stones represents the year that my parents fasted for me. Where they believe God to do something in my life. And you break spirits of oppression and depression off of your children. And you say, hell will not have my family. Hell will not have my children. And you know when fasting becomes easy? When you're believing God to do something for your family. I could take you to the hospital with me. We can walk up and down certain hospitals and 
moms are sitting by the kids' bed and dads and go up to them and ask them if they want a nice meal. Ask them, take them to a restaurant. They'll say, I'm not even hungry. Because when you're believing God, when you're trusting God, when you need God to move in your life and in your family, when you're believing God for the impossible, there are some things that are only done but by prayer and by, by fasting. And that's what we're believing God for. As we go into 21 days, asking God to give you a vision, to speak to you about your children. As a parent, you need a divine strategy for your child. You can't even raise them all the same. See, when, you're, when they're little, you kind of, everybody be quiet. You just pick them up and move them where you want them to go. You know what I mean? You just pick them up. No, you're here. But when they get bigger, and you, you need a divine strategy. You, you've gotta, you've gotta give them room to, to discover and to find out. And hear me parents, you cannot protect your children from their testimony. You're gonna have to, oh my God. This is gonna have to be lived out. Sometimes you're going to trust God through the messy middle. Come on. You're going to trust God through the messy middle. But I believe that when you train up a child in the way they should go, when they're old, they will not depart. I mean, most of you, most of you messed up in the messy middle too. And the only reason you're even here was because, man, I'm back. I told some young guy the other day, I said, dude, you should just surrender. He's a young adult. He didn't know if he wanted to serve God or not. And I said, are your parents saved? He said, yeah. I was like, your parents filled with the Holy Ghost? He's like, yeah. And I was like, you don't stand a chance. You're not, I was like, you suck at sinning. You're not even good at it. They don't even like you. That's why you can't fit in. Because your mom is praying in the Holy Ghost over you, cursing demons. You're suck at lying. You don't even know how to light the joint. You're not good at it. You should just surrender and follow God. You should just, you're not, there's no, there's so much blood on you. There's so much anointing on you. You were raised. In the faith, your parents trained you up in the way you should go. There's no chance of you not coming back to the faith. So the only opportunity you have is to screw up and mess your life up for a season. But either way, you're coming back. So you should just avoid the whole mess up and just follow God. So many of y'all, you're terrible at sinning. You're just not good at it. You're, you're, because you're a believer. I want my kids so full of the Holy Ghost. And so I pray over them and want them so full of anointing and power. And I want them soaked in blood that when they get out there in the world and the world tries to pull them, the world pushes, the world don't even like them. We don't like you. There's something different about you. We don't enjoy being around you. 
We don't like getting high with you. We don't like drinking with you. There's something different about it. And the world pushes them back. Come on, somebody say amen about it. Because there's so much blood and anointing on their life. You got to cover your, your kids in the Holy Ghost. Prayers have no expiration date. See, I wish, I wish, help me, help me, God, communicate. I walk off the stage sometimes so frustrated because I hear him preaching to me better than I preach to you. And I'm like, what'd you say again? How did you say that? It's, it's like, um, it's like, it's like sickness. Like a lot of us, when we get, we get sick and then we pray for healing. So when you get sick, you get a virus, and then two or three days the virus manifests, and now you start praying for healing. What if we just prayed for healing before we got sick? What if, what if instead of our prayer life being reactive, it was proactive? What if, what if instead of, what if, what if we prayed blessing over our life before we ever were in lack? What if we just started saying, God, you're my provider. I thank you that in 2023, I'm not going to have one day of lack. I thank you that I'm going to be healthy the whole year. I'm not going to get sick. I'm not, I'm not going to. And you just, started, you just started speaking over your life. What you wanted God to do, rather than getting sick, getting broke, getting depressed, and then having to pray your way out of it. What if we never got into it? I wish I had somebody who would believe that with me and just say, I'm going to walk in health. I'm going to walk in healing. I'm going to walk in deliverance. I'm going to walk in favor. I'm going to walk in freedom, healing over my body in the name of Jesus. There is no cancer in my body in Jesus' name. Cells are functioning according to God's perfect plan and perfect provision. I, and you just started declaring it in your life so that just as much as the virus takes time to manifest, what if when we prayed faith, we just, faith manifested in our life, healing manifested in our life, joy manifested in our life. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like if we would use our prayer life proactively. What's everything you desire when you pray? Believed you've received it, and you shall have it. What's everything you desire when you pray? Believe you received it, and you shall have it. If you can believe it, you can have it. If you can't believe it, you can't have it. You know why I can't play the drums? I can't play the drums because I can't see myself playing the drums. I just can't see it. I can't see myself doing it. But if you, if, and I've been, at, I've been at the table with other people who could play drums. And they can take two pencils and they'll be sitting there. And in their head, they got that whole, and, and the reason they can play drums is because they can, they can see it. Because they can see it, they can have it. If you can, whatsoever thing you desire when you pray, believe you've received it. If you see yourself graduating before you take your first class. You see yourself making a dollar before you have your first transaction. You, if, and if you can see it, you'll have it. But if you can't see it, that's why I tell people when they're sick, put pictures up of when you're healthy. 
If your, if your marriage is in crisis, put pictures up of when your marriage was good. You got to see it. If you'll see it, you will be what you see. Your life is moving in the direction of what you see. Can you see it? And this, this prophet, I love this story. Um, come, come on. Is Alexander here? Alexander, come on out. Is he backstage? Come on out, Alexander. Got some glasses on. You know. <laughs> to people who need glasses. It's like using crutches for the fun of it. It actually is fun. <sighs> anyway. Hold that. <laughs> this is my son, <laughs> whom I am well pleased. I know you are. And so I want you to take this arrow. So what the prophet did, the, the prophet told the king, he said, take this arrow, and I want you to aim it, aim it back, aim it, aim it up. Pull, don't have to pull far. That's too far. Don't pull that far. If you feel the Holy Ghost, it won't hurt you. And what the prophet did, I love this part of the story. The prophet went up to the, the king and he put his hands on his hands. He put his hands on his hands. And what you see in that moment is a picture of he has the, he has the strength, but I have the wisdom. He has, he has the youth, but I have the knowledge. And he says, now you, you, you pull it back, but I'm, I'm going to aim you. I'm going to aim you. See, so many of us in life, how, how many of you have spent time and effort and years shooting your strength, your wealth, your, your life in, in the directions that God didn't want you to shoot it? Come on, there's more people. Let me... If you, how many people in this room, if you could go back just five years, come on, knowing what you know now, just five years, how much better you could do it if you could go back just five years, if pastor, if I had just give me a do over, how much better you could do the last five years. And, and what I love about that picture is it's not just, it's not just the prophet, but I've been praying God, give parents in this fast the influence and the wisdom to put their hands on their child's hands. Give us in business. God, it's not just a picture of the prophet, but it's a picture of God putting his hands on your hands. God, put your hands on our hands in this church. Put your hands on our hands in business. Put your hands on our hands in our marriage and in parenting, because I cannot afford, maybe it's because I'm getting too old, and the hair is going back here and coming out here and here and everywhere else. One of my daughters had one of them nose trimmers the other day. She said, what is that? I said, you need to worry about it, but I need it. I need five of them. And 
And, and, and you just need, you need God's wisdom because you're getting too old and you're getting too late in the day to be shooting your, your arrows in directions that God doesn't want you to go and wasting time and wasting years and wasting strength. Come on, somebody know what I'm talking about. And you just start to say, God, in, in 2023, I don't want to go in any direction you don't want me to go. I don't want any relationship you don't want me to have. I don't want any business opportunity you don't want. Put your hands on my hands. Put your, put your heart on my heart. Put your life on my life that I may win at every area of life and not have partial victory, but have total victory in every area of my life. Thank you. Give me a big God bless you. I love you. I love you. Thank you. I love you. And when it comes to arrows, when it comes to arrows, your arrows are your children. The Bible says like arrows in a quiver. This leather thing's called a quiver. Like arrows in a quiver are your children. And the thing about arrows in Bible days, you couldn't just run down to Dick's Sporting Goods like they did for me and get arrows. The person who shot the arrow had to make the arrow. You gotta make your arrows. Your kids aren't just gonna turn out. You're gonna have to make them. Quit outsourcing parenting. Quit outsourcing parenting. You're gonna have to make the arrows. It requires time. But the boys talk about the sword of the spirit, but your the sword of the spirit is a close. The sword of the spirit literally, if you dig into that, it was a dagger. The sword is what it's referencing was a sword, it's a dagger. To pull, to pull things out of you where you were hit by the enemy. That the Bible is not for you to use to cut people, but it's really for you to use to help heal yourself. Oh my God, tell me. And, and, but, but, but the arrow is the long range weapon. Your children are the long range weapon of your life. They'll meet people you'll never meet. They'll go places you'll never go. They'll accomplish things that you never accomplished. They'll do things for God that you only dreamed of. But you got to make them. And for most people, you got two or three. You can't afford to just shoot them half-heartedly. You've got to let God, God, I've got my kid. Like, with Alexander or Nicholas or Isabella, any of them. can't afford to aim them in a direction that's contrary to God's will for their life. And so as a parent, I need God to put his hands on my hands. I've got to fast and pray for my children so I don't aim them in a direction that's contrary to the will of God the plan of God, the purpose of God for their life. But that if I let God put his hands on my hands, if I let God direct me 
and lead me and guide me. And I lean not to my own understanding. But I acknowledge him that he would direct my path. And I, I make the hard decisions to fast for my children and pray for my children that they grow up knowing dad's faith was not a religion. But my dad had a genuine relationship with God. And they're going to make mistakes. They're going to blow it. They're going to, they're going to, they're going to, they're going to make bad decisions. And all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But your faith and your testimony is not proven in how many times you fall. It's proven how many times you get back up again. The Bible says a righteous man falls seven times, but yet he rises again. And he told him, the, the, the prophet told him, you can come play something for me. He told him, he said, take, take the arrows. Take those arrows. And he says, smite them on the ground. Smite them on the ground. See, sometimes, I realize sometimes when men of God ask you to do things, it doesn't make sense. But just be obedient. Your blessing's in it. How many times you tell your kids to do something I don't understand? Why does the room got to be clean? Just be obedient. I don't know why my wife needs 50 pillows on the bed. Just be obedient. I don't know what it is. Maybe she didn't have a lot of pillows growing up. And she needs a lot of pillows now. I don't know why. Just be obedient. Obedience is better than sacrifice. And he took him, and the, the prophet told him, he said, smite the ground. He didn't tell him how many times to smite it. He said, smite the ground. I'm not telling you what to fast. I'm telling you to smite the ground. And he hit it three times. And then he stopped. And the prophet was ticked. He was wroth with him. He was like, what is wrong with you? What's wrong with you? How come when I ask you to do things, you do it half-heartedly? Why would you only do it three times? He said, you should have smote it five, six times or more. How come when God asks us to do things, sometimes we do it half-heartedly? Half we know our church is calling us to a fast. We do it half-heartedly. We serve half-heartedly. We give half-heartedly. We sacrifice half-heartedly. But your blessing was in it. His deliverance was in it. His miracle was in it. Came today to tell you as we prepare for 2023, don't do it half-heartedly. Half don't, don't fight for your children half-heartedly. Don't, don't, don't fight for your marriage half-heartedly. Well, I did a little bit, you know, there's a couple days there we did without something. No, no, no. Fight for you. I'm talking about your kids. I'm talking about your spouse, your future, your destiny. We're talking about you. Do it with all your might. Jesus fasted 40 days. He smote the ground 40 times. 
Smite it. Because it represents victory in your life. Go for it. Let it be a memorial. It's worship. Worship, worship, I told you last week, worship is sacrifice. It's not singing. Sometimes we say, I don't want to serve because I don't want to sacrifice to be in kids because I want to be in the worship service. That is the worship service. Worship is sacrifice. It's not singing. How can you come to God's house and not sacrifice? Sacrifice gets you in his presence. I can let you in the building, but only he lets you in his presence. And in the building, there is no joy. In this building or a building, there is no peace. In a building, there is no healing. But if his presence comes in that building, all that you need is in his presence. And how you get in his presence is through sacrifice. It became so important, David said, I found another way in that if we offer him a sacrifice of praise, he will let us into his presence. It became so important, it was known as the key of David. And you don't need a key unless there's a lock. And you don't lock up stuff unless it's valuable. His presence is so valuable. So go to God. Go to God and say, God, put your hands on my hands in this fast. Point me in the direction you want me to go. Let my life be a life of sacrifice, which is worship. We call this the worship team. It's really a sacrifice team. Oh, you're the worship leader? Yeah, you're the sacrifice leader. You should be modeling sacrifice to the church. It's sacrifice. You thought you were worshiping because you were in here singing a song. The people in kids' ministry were worshiping because they were sacrificing. That's why Jesus got upset. Jesus got upset with church people because they were, they were coming to the church and it was, they used to have to bring a lamb or a goat or something to sacrifice. And so it was, you know, it was, it was annoying. I mean, think about it. You had to go out into your yard today, grab a goat, strap it to the roof of the Honda, bring it here today. It's snowing, you know, this is, a, this is a hassle. Come on, am I right? I mean, can you imagine how many of you wouldn't be here today if you had to bring a goat? You thought your husband was stubborn. You, I mean, a goat? And because it was difficult, people were like, hey, let's just sell you a sacrifice when you come to make it easy for you. Jesus saw it and was ticked. Because he's like, you're gonna bring something to God that costs you nothing? You, you, churches don't grow because it's convenient. Churches grow when people sacrifice. What you're a part of is bigger than the part you play. Jesus got upset. Jesus sat in the corner and started making a whip. He didn't bring a whip. He's making it. What are you doing? Jesus, you're going to find out. All you're going to find out in about 10 minutes what I'm doing. It's your Savior. 
And he started knocking over tables and yelling at everybody because they took sacrifice out of worship. He's like, it's all about the sacrifice. Getting the kids up in the morning, getting them dressed. Where is your shoe? I don't know how many shoes you need to leave the house, but we need 20. And we can't leave with 19. We have to have 20 shoes. If we all come in the house and take our shoes off, there's 20 shoes. It's insane. I'm only yelling because we've had this conversation because we were out someplace and one of the kids has one shoe on. And we're like, what is, what is wrong? What is happening? Sacrifice. Sacrifice. It's worship. What are you saying worship is, Pastor? What is worship? What is worship? Sacrifice. Sacrifice. Worship is doing what you, worship is doing what God wants you to do and you don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. And that's why it's worship. I don't want to sing, and that's why it's worship. I don't want to serve, and that's why it's worship. I don't want to get out in the cold at zero degrees and walk in the snow to church, and that's why it's worship. And maybe your walk in today was better worship than the song you sang. It's worship. Come on, stand with me. I want to pray for you. Did you get something out of this today? Come on, give God a praise. Hey, if this sermon blessed you and your family, I want to encourage you to be a truth partner. You can do that by simply going to creativechurch.com slash give and partnering with us to help get this message of truth out to more people in our nation and around the world. It is our truth partners that make this a reality. Again, thank you for subscribing to our channel. Thank you for liking today's video. We'll see you back on the channel real soon.